Hey everybody, welcome to the Jesus Over Everything podcast. I'm Trent Dean. Today we're going to be talking about the church. Um, there's just been a lot of questions. Or what is church today? Is it biblical? Is it right? Um, is it working? What's the point of our gatherings? Are we gathering because it's a brand new building? Or, or are we really there to seek God? Or do we think that's the only place we can go to seek God? What's really going on? What are we doing? Um, these are questions that I've had burning in my heart for, for quite some time. And it's not something I speak about all that often. Um, it can be very touchy. Uh, people get very offended very easily sometimes when you're talking about the church. And if you begin to question what we're doing and is it, is it the way God would want it? Um, Francis Chan asked, how would you explain church if you were only allowed to use the Bible to explain it? And that, that question challenged me. And uh, I began looking. There's a, there's a lot of things throughout Scripture, um, especially in the book of Acts when it comes to the church today. Yeah, I know this was a first century church, and it was a long, long time ago, but the structure of it and how they did things, we say doesn't fit or make sense for today, and I, and I just don't think that that's true. Um, do I have all the answers? No. And I, am I some hyper-intelligent theologian? No, I'm not. But I, do have, I did have questions, and I did begin to look. You know, there's a big difference between just having questions and looking for answers. So I went looking, and, I, and I've, I've been praying about this, and I wanted to just share my heart on it and, and maybe even get feedback from, from what you might think. <clears throat> so I just have a list of questions I wrote down um, just to begin. You know, the first one is church. Is it biblical? Is it right? And is it working? Um, when you go to church today, you know, you go to a building, very little churches. There are some, there are some, don't get me wrong, that meet in houses, um, house churches. There's nothing wrong with house churches. They're not any different. Um, or at least they, they don't have to be. They can function exactly the same as a, a church that's in a building. Um, there are some that meet outside. Um, there's some that in other countries where you can't even have a public gathering uh, because of the persecution. You can be arrested or, or even killed in some of these countries, you know, some of these places like China where the whole church is underground. Um, is it right? Well, that's a matter of opinion. Um, it's also, it is a matter of scripture. It's also a matter of opinion. Um, is it right? What, what do you think? I think there's aspects of it that are right. And I think there's aspects of it that we need to look at and work on. Uh, is it working? Well, if you are a statistic type person, I don't know, I don't have them here in front of me, but the stats say that most churches, more and more churches each year are closing their doors. Um, 
I've worked in the drug and alcohol rehab industry for a long time and have met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from so many different backgrounds and religions and affiliations and orientations and all those types of things. And they all seem to have the same view of the church, which is surprising and scary. That it's just a bunch of people that joined a club and that's about it. They don't think it's necessary to go. They don't think it's really doing anything or changing anything. And on one aspect I would agree and on some other aspects I wouldn't agree. So it is what it is on that. Some churches do so much and help so many people and and some just don't. Um, you can't blanket, blanket statement that um, accurately because there's a lot that do a lot and there's a lot that don't do a lot. <clears throat> so is it working? In an overall opinion, I would have to say probably not in the fashion that we would want it to or even the fashion that we'd expect it to. Uh, second question, what's the point and what's the motive? Are we... Having these gatherings on each Sunday because we are so in love with God and so in love with each other that we just cannot stay away from each other for more than a week. We cannot stay outside of a place of worshiping God together in a corporate manner to where Sunday meetings just have to occur. Whether there was a building or not, would we all just be meeting in a field or at McDonald's or, or or somewhere where there's just enough space to hold us. Um, across the board, I'd say that probably wouldn't happen, um, at least in America. So what's the point? What's the motive? I think the motive drives the point. If we were meeting just to worship and honor Jesus, where we met would not become unimportant, but it'd be way less important because the motive of why we're there, um, just the overflow of our own worship, getting together, our own love for God and our love for people combining in one place would occur naturally. I think um, maybe even more than once a week. Um, Third question, do we need what we call church or what we call churches today. Um, I think most things have their place. Um, we're going to kind of go over the um, the structure of the, uh, the first century church. And uh, I think places to gather, you know, for instance, the apostles in, in that day, they had the temple where they could all get together at one time. Um, I think that's I think that's really important. To, to have that. Um, are we using them, our buildings and things, in the proper manner? Um, well, I don't know. We're going to talk about that. So are what we call churches today what we need? Are, are, the, are we being good stewards? Are we being responsible? Are we, are we meeting the needs of people? And I'm not talking about the preferences of people. I'm talking about the needs of people. 
are our com- is the community your church in a better community because that church is there are people are people's lives improving because they wandered into your building <clears throat> number 4 what's your money going to do churches today have too many expenses or your tithes and offerings that you're paying to the Lord. A lot of the times, um, I know, especially in smaller churches, th- that money just goes to keep the lights on a lot of the time. It keeps the pastor paid, and it keeps the lights on. And sometimes that's really all that there's enough money to do, which really leaves out ministry. Um, it gives us a place to get together and sing and hear a message. But is it covering needs? Is his existence, uh, I don't know a better word, is it necessary? Um, or the, or, the, or the, the massive churches, uh, their, their power bill has to be outrageous. You know, how many people could that feed? But then again, if they didn't have the place to gather, would the funds be there in the first place? Or would all that money just be dispersed upon every individual's own life and would it ever even be given? <clears throat> you know, that's and that's an aspect of it. If we didn't have some of these really big churches that bring in tons and tons and tons of money, they do do a lot of things. They do they start ministries, they start businesses, they start all sorts of stuff, they fund all sorts of things, they donate to all sorts of places. But if those individuals that me and you and our tithes and our offerings, do we really have say of what's done with it? You know, um, is it important to have a say in what's done with it? Number five, is simple better? Is it, do we need elaborate stages and lights and sound equipment do we need fancy and delicious coffee bars which i love coffee so i enjoy that is it something we need or is simple better is it better just to meet together in a in a humble simple way and and is that better number six is it supposed to be impressive? Is the church, our buildings, man, some of these places, they're awesome. <laughs> they're beautiful. I mean, they're state of the art. They got the best of everything. And it's, man, I'm, I'm not lying. It's impressive. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, one of the churches we were going to recently, it's very large. And it's very nice. It's just, I mean, they, they do everything with excellence. And, uh, you know, no, no little details gone untouched or unseen. It's, it's very impressive. And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of volunteering. It takes a lot of brainstorming and thinking about and planning. And it, it, it's impressive. Is that what it's supposed to be? Number seven. Are we supposed to be meeting house to house? like the apostles did, like the first early church believers did. Number eight, 
why the breaking of bread when they met house to house? Talking about communion. When you go and every third Sunday or every third month you take corporate communion where everyone gets a little tiny plastic cup and a little rice wafer and you talk about the blood of Jesus for ten minutes and have your communion as a corporate church. Is that what it's supposed to be? Um, it brings me to the text. What does the Bible say? Here's what I found. Um, just and this is just in the book of Acts. There's more elsewhere that I'm I'm just not going to get into uh, this episode. But my text for today is Acts chapter two, verses forty-two through forty-seven. We're going to start with just verse forty-two. The context of this is uh, right after Pentecost, right after the the pouring forth of the Holy Spirit. Um, all the people from all over the place, uh, Jews and those from Mesopotamia and Cretans and all these all these people together, they think the apostles are uh, maybe they're drunk because they're they're acting a little weird and they're all speaking at one time and each person can hear them speaking their own language. So if I'm only speak English and you only speak Spanish. And someone's speaking, and we both hear what they're saying at the same time. That'd make you think, you know, that would uh, <laughs> it'd be a little strange. So they're like, "What are these guys drunk?" And Peter stands up and says, "No, that's not what's going on here." So they uh, Peter starts to give this uh, this sermon, the first sermon that anyone gives that's not Jesus, and uh, just man gives us ballpark of a sermon just knocks it out of the park and 3,000 people get saved so verse 42 starting of uh, the results of that well just for a little bit of context verse 41 says so then those who received his word were baptized and that day uh, there were about 3,000 souls that were added verse 42 they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the, and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay. <clears throat> so we have four things th- that they were continually doing after they were saved. After they were saved and they were also baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can see that in verse uh, 38. So after they're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, they're saved. They're new believers. Verse 42 gives us a list of four things that they did continually. They were continually devoting themselves to teaching the word and being taught the word of God. It says they devoted themselves completely to the teaching of the apostles. And we know through the rest of the New Testament, they established elders and elderships and Paul tells Timothy to always teach the word. It's always about teaching and bringing and equipping people up for them to be able to teach the word and to keep passing it on and keep spreading it out. So they were continually devoting themselves to teaching and being to teaching the word of God and being taught the word of God. The second thing we see is they devoted themselves continually 
to fellowship. The word fellowship is the word koinia, and it's together. It even has an intimate condemnation to it in the word of intercourse. It's, it's intimate togetherness, um, family, friendship. It's, it's very close. So they devoted themselves to the word of God and to fellowship continually. The third thing, they continually devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That's communion. So that means every they continually devoted themselves to communion. It's not something they did every so often. It, this was a huge centerpiece and staple of the early church. Every time they were together, they had communion. Every single time. It says they continually devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, and that means as often as they did, do this in remembrance of me, is what Jesus says. So every time they're gathered, their point of their gathering was Jesus, remembering Jesus. They were being taught the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. They're being taught Jesus. They're in fellowship that's together as one, as we are one with him. That's the body being together, Jesus being the head. Then they were devoting themselves continually to the breaking of bread, remembering Jesus. And four, they continually devoted themselves to prayer. And they're praying to Jesus. So their, all of their meetings were continually devoted to Jesus. In teaching, in fellowship, in communion, and in prayer. These are the four staples, the four pillars of the church. This is what they did on a constant basis. There's more than this, but these are the ones that are constant. These are the ones that are continual. These are the ones that they're devoted to. This is where everything starts. If you have these four things, then you will see growth. <clears throat> Watch. We go to verse 43. Um, the result of these four things, the result of continually devoting themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, communion, and to prayer, the result is this. Starting in verse, uh, verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all who had believed were together, and all, and all things in common. They were all together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing it... <clears throat> All the property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the result, number one, was awe. Signs and wonders. So the, when they were continually devoting themselves to the four things, to teaching, fellowship, communion, and prayer, the result, the first result was awe and signs and wonder, amazement and power. I mean, you walk into a church where they have legitimate fellowship. You walk into a house where these people are 
all about Jesus, the whole point of their gathering. They just couldn't take it anymore. They had to get together so they could have communion. They had to get together so they could be in fellowship. They had to get together so they could pray and so they could be taught and teach each other. The result, when you walk into that, is going to be awe. You're going to be like, wow, this is crazy. No one's, it says they were all of one mind. Um, in verse 46, so they're all of one mind. They're all on the same page. There's not the guy in the corner like, well, this is kind of dumb. I wish the pastor would have talked to me this morning. No, it was, they were all together for the exact same reason. And they had the exact same goal. To worship Jesus and to be in fellowship. So you would be amazed if you saw that legitimately every time you came to one of these meetings. The second thing, or and then, of course, you, you walk in and you're amazed, and then you start to see signs and wonders. You start to see the result of that continual devotion to prayer. You see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit moving in people in the congregation or in the house and Things begin to happen. Things begin to shift. People begin to be healed or delivered. You see demons cast out or or you see someone broken free from, from an addiction or you just see amazing things happen. Number two, the second result after awe and signs and wonders is unity. It says they had all things in common. If they had all things in common and they were moving with one goal and one mind and one accord, Book Acts is always about, they always have one accord. Whenever they're meeting in the upper room, they were together with one accord. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes and pours and pours forth His Spirit on them in the upper room at Pentecost. Because they were praying in one mind and one accord in unity. Unity is inevitably a result of this. Um, number three, this is where we can understand the first three. I mean, we've been in church long enough to say, yeah, that makes sense. Number three is insane. It's wild. They begin to sell their things to take care of each other who might have need. So that tells me that they saw need and they acted. They didn't regard their th their things as their own. So they sold it so they could have extra funds to meet the needs of those who didn't have certain things. I mean, if you were going to some of these meetings and all of a sudden you, you, you shared with the pastor, you shared with um, an elder, you shared with just someone hanging around that, man, man, times have just been hard. I just don't know if I can... I don't know if I can make that car payment this month. Things have just been really tight. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, someone walks up to you and they just hand you money. They said, hey, I just sold my car, my extra car. And here's the money from that. Go ahead and go ahead and pay yours. You would be floored. It didn't have to go through this network of upper management. <laughs> it was just, here, you have a need let me take care of your need because I have some things that you don't have and you have some things that I don't have. So since we're all, since we all have everything in common, since we're all in unity, since we all have the same goal, why don't we just go ahead and take care of each other too? He said they sold their things to take care of each who might have need. 
there's times where you have need and there's times where you don't. But they were prepared as a fellowship to provide for each other. It was uh, purposeful. Number four, communion from house to house is the fourth result. So this wasn't something that just took place on a once a week basis for an hour. This was a house to house communion. This was an everyday thing. They were always together. I mean, you start selling your stuff for people, you're going <laughs> to you're going to start to be around them a little bit more often. I, I bet you. It's just going to be different. The the love and genuine care for for people is one of the most noticeable and attractive things I think about the heart of Jesus. Um, that's I think that's the real lure that, that draws people near. It's, it says the goodness of God is what bring men, brings men to repentance. Not preaching the paint off the walls, not the best sermon ever, not the best building, not any of that. All that can be attractive, but it's literally just the genuine love. Um, someone loving you and and sacrificing themselves to help you, which is exactly what Jesus did, and that's what First John talks about. Um, so they went house to house. It was spreading. They're just going and loving each other, and it's just going from house to house to house to house. It's spreading like a wildfire. The fifth result that we see here is gladness, sincerity of heart, praising God, and having favor with all people. So as a result, as the a result of, I would say, the first four results would be this. And again, you walk into a church and they're glad, they're sincere, they're praising God, and they all have favor with each other and with people that don't go to that church or with people that don't even believe in God. You're going to listen. You're going to pay attention to that. That's going to, you're going to notice that. That's going to have an impact on you because we don't see it very often. Number six, the last result mentioned here. Uh, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So everything we've, we've seen right here, none of it was the result of how do we grow our numbers it was all a result of devoting themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to communion, and to prayer. And the result was the Lord, not the church, not the evangelists. No, it was the Lord who added to their number those who were being saved. We keep trying to open new churches and get people from other congregations that are already saved. This was the Lord adding to them those who were being saved. If you're operating these first four things, the Lord is going to provide you those who aren't saved so that they can be, so that they can see who He is through who He's made us to be, through the way He's created us to operate. This is His structure. This is not ours. We didn't petition God for this structure and we've somehow gotten off foot with it i i have a vision of a church today that meets house to house 
And every tithe and offering doesn't go to a salary. It doesn't go to, a, to building expenses. It doesn't go to a new parking lot. It goes to taking care of the people that are a part of that congregation. It goes to taking care of each other. And that includes the, the pastor or the, and, or, and or the elders that are a part of it. It's for everyone, for all of us to participate with each other, to help each other, to love each other, to teach each other, to fellowship with each other, to have the cum- communion together, and to pray with and for one another. That's the whole point. It's all about Jesus. It's not about get people here to what we're doing. It's about, Lord, here we are, seeking your face. And he's adding to our number the ones who are being saved. And then there's awe in the signs and wonders. There's unity, having all things in common. There's people going out of their way to take care of anyone who might have need. There's communion from house to house. There's gladness, sincerity of heart. Uh, people praising God and having favor with, with all people. And the Lord bringing more and more people to be saved not to be added to a roster. What happens if you have a church in your house and it gets too big? Why go rent a building? Why not just move to two houses and let it spread organically? We don't have to, there doesn't have to be a sole leader or organization with everything. We don't have to categorize everything and, and make everything profitable in a, in a, financial standpoint why can't it just be organic and grow and love and have the result be from the things that we are doing continually from having the motive of why we're meeting determine the results that we're getting if it's all about Jesus if you're all about Jesus then Jesus is all about you He says he enthrones the praises of his people. If we all met just for his sake, forsaking our own selfish preferences, I mean, that's the best way to put it. I like, I love music. I love when I go to a church and the the worship is just phenomenal. I I love it. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things. But, Would I be able to worship God without it? Would I be able to meet for his sake and his sake alone? And to teach and to be taught. And for fellowship and for communion, remembering the Lord. And for prayer. That's just kind of my thoughts on it, guys. Um, I would love to hear what you have to say or what you think. Um, it's a, it's a topic that's definitely open for, for discussion. It's a big open-ended topic, I think, but there's a lot of evidence and I only went over a couple of verses in one chapter of one book. So there's a lot more to be said about this and we can go into first and second Timothy and Thessalonians and all that stuff. And there's more about structure and eldership and deacons and all that kind of stuff, which is good. I'm just talking about the basic Betty, just the the bare minimum, the starting point, the motive of church. And, and does, it, does it need to change? Does it need to be more simple? 
do we need to stop a lot of the theatrics? Do we need to stop ringing the dinner bell to try to get people to us? Or do we just need to love each other and, and go from house to house breaking bread <laughs> and taking care of people? Tell me what you think, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, this is the Jesus Over Everything podcast. Have a wonderful evening.